All right. Will you guys pray with me tonight? Okay. Let's pray and just lift up this word unto the Lord. I really value your prayers with me over the word because I feel like that this series has been going up against uh, the spiritual climate, if you will, in our region, possibly our nation. And we need to pray. We need to pray that God is going to penetrate and get this word where it needs to go. And I'll just, I'll make sure and say this so it'll get on this recording, but you know, one of my intercessors has told me through this time I've been preaching this series, when she's been praying, she's felt like something trying to stop up her ears to not, it's like a piercing thing in the ears to try to block. So in other words, there's something that don't want this to be heard and, and wants to silence it. And so she's been really praying that it'll go forth. But anyway, Lord, we thank you for a mighty anointing tonight. And Lord, we love your word and we thank you for your word and we pray together collectively over the word of the Lord tonight. If you could just make sure all the different music and everything's off and everything, I think that it is, but just make sure. But Lord, we thank you tonight. We pray over this word. Lord, that you will come upon me and anoint me and speak this through me. Lord, it will go out in glory and power and strong anointing. Lord, it will, that even now, your Holy Spirit to prepare people and places and situations hearts and minds just get things ready whoever's going to hear this that the holy spirit even now is is you know stirring up and doing a work in their heart and their mind to make make every one of us good fertile soil and lord as you speak through me it'll be living seeds of truth life sown out and the winds of your spirit will carry this seed everywhere it's supposed to go all over the world but it will land where it needs to in good fertile soil and your holy spirit to rain down upon it and cause those seeds of truth to take root in people and grow and produce a hundredfold harvest that remains until Jesus comes. True, um, <clears throat> a, a true harvest, um, a sustained harvest of fruitfulness in people. Lord, that this will abide in Jesus' name. That it's not going to be something that's choked out. It's not going to be something that is stolen, but it's going to remain. <coughs> And Lord, I pray as this goes out, that there'll be the washing of the water of the word, that there'll be a good, holy conviction and a fear of God in a healthy way. Lord, that this will be light that shines and dispels all the darkness and lies and deception of the enemy and brings truth and revelation knowledge in Jesus' name. And Lord, this will bear great fruit. We're believing. And let it be a hammer that breaks down every stronghold and a sword that cuts through. Lord, we commit this unto you. We believe and we speak that anything of the enemy, that in any way that would try to hinder this word, we speak together corporately that that be bound in the name of Jesus right now and will depart right now. We break its power. It has no influence over this word. We bind it now. And we thank you for your mighty angels watching over the word. The Bible says the Lord watches over his word to perform it. And also his word will not return void, but accomplish that which he sent it for to do. So, Lord, let your mighty angels watch over and make sure this is going to go forth and accomplish that which you sent it forth to do. We thank you. We believe we receive it now. We expect that this now will go forth in a powerful way. Let everything be spoken that needs to be spoken. And, Lord, direct this time in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys, for your prayers in that. So, I, I really pray that these sermons will convict all of us and and challenge us because we're living in a time that the devil is trying to lull people asleep and I believe that this sermon will show some of that 
and I pray that it also just like the previous two well this will complement the other two but all of them will be really convicting and challenging and stir us up as we need that you know that there's a scripture the Apostle Paul was telling Timothy to stir up what's in you through the laying on of hands now it's an interesting scripture because it means to fan into flame or to stoke the fire so how many of you guys have ever been camping before or had some kind of a fire pit and eventually the fire started dying down but you could see that there was these glowing embers in there and if you put a little bit more wood on there and you would kind of take some kind of a poker and, and kind of stir it up and maybe gently blow on it you could get that fire going again it was still there but it had died down some and that's what Paul was was saying in that scripture to stir up means to fan back into flame again and so I pray that all of us have had a fire put in us by the Lord but it is our responsibility to keep that fire going and that that's portrayed in the tabernacle when Moses originally set up the tabernacle and he anointed it the glory of God came but there was a time when the initial fire that was in that bronze altar where the animals were sacrificed and burned okay it was an altar in the outer court there was a time that that had to be um, set on fire and so what happened was that they had the wood and they had everything ready but God supernaturally lit that fire the first time there was like a glory fire that had jumped out of the Holy of Holies and hit that thing and set it on fire and the people of God fell on their face and worshiped the Lord it was really a sign and a wonder in front of them but God told the priest it's your responsibility to always keep that fire going well, Leonard Ravenhill was known for a lot of quotes but one of them was if the fire dies in you God didn't die God didn't die in you well, it's our responsibility you know that one of the things sometimes that can be kind of a hyper grace type of message is when people feel like they don't have to do anything but you know the Bible says that we draw nigh to him and then he'll draw nigh to us the Bible says we seek him with all of our heart then we find him the Bible says we hunger and thirst you know after righteousness and then he'll fill us so there is there is something there about us going after God amen there's a hunger there's a pursuit there's a passion and the first part of this sermon will probably be you know, along the lines of being convicting but at the end of it I want to give some really practical advice about how do we get hungry how do we stay hungry and stay on fire listen if there's ever been something that I've preached that everybody needs to hear it's that and I think this sermon will bear it out because the devil is going to try to get everybody asleep and lukewarm listen the Bible shows us that if we're not careful we'll get lukewarm but Jesus was saying you got to make sure and watch and pray because you don't know the hour uh, you know it's interesting because watching and praying has to do with prayer the, the watchmen are prayer warriors in the Bible to watch means to pray and so Jesus was saying there that the last day church you really need to be in prayer you really need to watch and pray because you don't know when I'm coming does anybody see what I'm saying and this is a time when it seems like so many are going to sleep 
And this is a time that we need to be praying like never before and pressing into him. I believe with all my heart the devil can try whatever he will, but those that are close to Jesus are going to be, not only, not only are they going to be fine as, as far as being protected, but those that will stay close to Jesus are going to be on fire and are going to be powerful in these last days and see a harvest and see great outpourings of the Holy Spirit. But it's going to be those that stay close to Jesus. You know, there was a minister years ago that he said that he was asleep on an airplane and um, he had this dream from the Lord and man, it really stayed with him. And ever since I heard him share about it, it stayed with me too. And here was the dream. He said that he had a real vivid dream in which Jesus was physically walking with him and others were with him. There was a bunch of other ministers and people with him and Jesus was walking kind of like what you would picture in the the different movies where Jesus is walking with his disciples. So he's walking down this road and everybody's with him and they're listening to him talk and all that. But he said, here's the thing though, in the dream, Jesus would start speeding up a little bit. And when he did, some of them would speed up with him. Others would gradually get further and further behind. And then he said, again, <clears throat> Jesus would speed up some more and he would lose some more people. And it got to the point to where there wasn't that many people any longer keeping up with Jesus. And he woke from the dream, and the Lord spoke to him and told him that the dream meant that he needs to stay close to Jesus and keep up with what he's doing. But you have to keep that close relationship. You know, there was a, a time that Leonard Ravenhill was a, a spiritual father to Steve Hill. And um, he would do different things to, to teach and talk to him and parables and all these different things that Leonard did. And, and one, Steve shared one thing that, that happened one time. They were together in, their, in his office. And Leonard said, Steve, I want you to come here. I need to tell you something. And so Steve scooted over to him. He said, no, I need you to, to really come here. And eventually what happened was Steve, Steve was thinking, well, this is getting kind of weird. But, but he said, but I know Leonard and he's trying to teach me something. And so he kept getting closer and closer and closer until literally Steve said his, his face was almost right next to Leonard's and Leonard whispered to him something and he told him, he said, you have to stay this close to hear the Lord speak to you. He's not going to shout all the time. He's going to speak like this. And Steve said that always stayed with him. But it's true. And so if you'll think about what I'm trying to tell everybody is that we all have to pursue the Lord and stay close to Jesus. We really do. All right, so let me dive into this. Um, <clears throat> I think in this previous sermons, I've laid some groundwork about fruit. And I think that I made the point. It's, uh, this, this will just kind of hit home with what I've already shared. But therefore I say to you, Matthew 21, 33, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to people producing the fruit of it. And he who falls on this stone will be broken to pieces, but on whomever it falls will be scattered like dust or crushed. So Jesus was obviously speaking here to Israel, but it's a, it's a word for all of us. He said the kingdom is going to be given to those that will bear fruit thereof. 
And I read it in the first time I preached this series, uh, you know, the first sermon, rather, I, I talked about John 15. Jesus talked about those that are bearing fruit will be pruned to be more fruitful, but those that are not bearing fruit will be cut off. And so I don't know that fruitfulness is as optional as what maybe a lot of Christians would like it to be. I think that the Lord expects us to bear fruit. I really do. I believe it's an expectation. I don't think it's just a suggestion. I think it's an expectation that you will. If you abide in me, you will bear fruit. And so this has to do with abiding in the Lord. And so let me just read this here. Revelation 3.14 To the angel of the church in Laodicea write. Now, it's interesting because when it says to the angel, it's talking about the pastor. So I just wanted to mention that before I go on. Anyway, the amen, the faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation says this. Verse 15, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. You know, this is Jesus. He's saying, I wish you would choose this day who you're going to serve. I want the whole thing or nothing at all. You're either all for me or all against me. You're either my friend or my enemy. I'm just telling you, this is Jesus. And he says here, but because you're lukewarm, you're neither hot nor cold. That's the people that they want to hold Jesus' hand, but they still want to hold on to the world, you know. He said, I'll spit you out of my mouth, or that really is translated, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. In other words, you make me nauseous. Now listen, I don't want Jesus to look at my life and feel like it's making him nauseous. And I know you feel the same way. Verse 17, because you say, I'm rich and wealthy. I have need of nothing. You do not know. Didn't you just hear this of so many people? I'm fine. Everything's fine. All is well. I talk to people all the time on the streets. Yeah, I'm a Christian. All is good. And they're living in sin. Things are not good. But here's what Jesus says. He says, you, I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and I salve that I, you know, that God anoints your eyes to be able to see. Why? Because if you go back up here, he said, you say that you're wealthy and you need nothing. But you do not know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And then you go back down to 19. Those, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. None of us like the discipline of the Lord, the spanking of the Lord, the pruning of the Lord. But those that he loves, he disciplines. And he said this in verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door, knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. Now, this is grievous. He's, he's speaking here to a lukewarm church. And in a lukewarm church, he's on the outside knocking. You know, the Bible describes the churches in Revelation as lampstands. I want River of Life to be a pure lampstand and the, the fire is really burning bright. There's light that's shining from the Lord. People, you know, everybody, people are on fire for God. 
there's a fresh anointing and it's a burning bright fire in our midst but see the lukewarm church that fire has died down and he says he who overcomes i will grant him to sit down with me on my throne as i also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne he who has not an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches you know there's a lot of people that have eyes to see they have eyes but they don't see rather they have ears but they don't hear this is what i've been trying to talk about through this whole thing there in in romans it talks about a spirit of stupor and the spirit of stupor was that people were in a spiritual condition where they could not see and could not hear and could not really understand but there's literally a spirit i can just see that nowadays a lot of people it's like the devil you know if you have a little child a little child is upset or whatever here you're going to put him to sleep you start rocking them maybe singing to him quietly you're singing a lullaby next thing you know they're dozing off and they're asleep i believe that the devil is using different things out there that is lulling people it's like a lullaby and people think i'm fine everything's good all is well da, da, da. and next thing you know they're totally completely asleep they're in a place of being lukewarm and they don't know it they don't perceive it something has blinded them where they're in a condition spiritually that's not good but they don't realize it and so god will take and he'll begin to speak sermons like this and god intends these to be you know like a wet cloth across the face or something that will just shake people and stir them up and help help them maybe examine things and realize you know maybe things weren't as good as what i thought and he gives us that opportunity to be disciplined and to repent and get close to jesus i may appreciate that about the lord i love that i wouldn't want the lord to leave me in a condition like that i want him to come down and, and talk to me about it all right but here's what i see a lot of times i'm really concerned about it because even people that at one time have really been hungry on fire for god in the past they were in the fires of revival i personally know some of these people but today i would say they're lukewarm and i don't know what all's happened but let me just kind of read some of this that i wrote down here by and large people are not really hungry like they used to be i've seen hunger i know hunger and i've seen it and i'm telling you this is just a matter of fact that a lot of people have lost their hunger and the first thing when somebody really gets sick like they're battling the flu or something have you ever noticed that people tend to lose their hunger but yet they need to eat and they kind of have to make themselves eat so their immune system will be you know strong and fight off what it needs to but yet they they tend to lose that hunger it's interesting that something in the natural like that has such a correlation in the spiritual when people start spiritually getting sick a little bit they begin the first thing that goes is the hunger they start they start losing that hunger and that passion you know jesus the bible said about jesus zeal for his father's house consumes him he was a man that was zealous you know what zealous is on fire and paul said i pray that you not lose your zeal 
Don't lose that fire. We're all responsible, and I, myself included. We all have been touched with the fire of God. But you'll see that people lose the hunger. And next thing you know, prayer begins to wane. That's usually the first thing. Messages at church are missed. Do you imagine the great shepherd is bringing messages? Because I don't just preach my opinion. I ask the Lord, what are you saying? He tells me, I write it down, I get up here and share it. That makes my job easy. And being sincere about this, I don't feel like I have to come up with a sermon. I just ask the Lord, I really do. I never feel like I have to come up with something. I just ask him. But can you imagine that the great shepherd is giving words, and many times people miss these words, never hear them. But messages are missed. And to people that are lukewarm, they've grown, you know, spiritually sick they're not hungry they don't even realize the condition they're in there it's not a big deal that they're out of prayer it's not a big deal that they're missing what jesus is speaking church attendance all of a sudden is isn't as important as it used to be witnessing they shrug their shoulders they've lost a burden that they used to have for souls prayer meetings are not attended bible study takes a back seat the great danger of this last day church, a church that the Lord says, listen, you better watch and pray. You watch and pray. You make sure you're ready. You don't know when I'm coming. That church is the very church that the warning here is, is that Satan would try to get them lukewarm and out of prayer. And I believe this has to do a lot of times you'll see powerful prophecies over people's lives and powerful prophecies over churches and they never come to pass because people never really get serious with God they never really press into him and really go after him with all their heart willing to repent of whatever they've got to repent of willing to let the Lord prune them willing to let the Lord do whatever he's got to do they never really get to that place of hunger and desperation where they lay down on the cross and say, Lord, let me be totally crucified with you. Cut out of me whatever needs to be cut out. Put in me whatever needs to be put in me. Totally change me. Whatever you got to do, do it. I'm pressing into you. And there's this desperate hunger for God, but also a passion, a hunger to see his purposes fulfilled. And people, a lot of times, don't have that. And there's a great calling on their life, but other things are important. And God ends up having to pass many people by and use somebody else instead. And that's biblical because the Bible says many are called but few are chosen. But I don't want to be just called. I want to be one of the ones that's chosen. I want God to be able to use me. But here's something I wanted to mention in this sermon. Because I've been dealing with religious witchcraft in the region. This is principalities and powers and, and the atmosphere here. You guys ever noticed that spiritual atmosphere can affect us a lot? I've been in a lot of different situations, witnessing places that I've been. And I mean to tell you, you can get in certain environments. I mean, I've been down in like New Orleans, down there. I've been in many places. And um, you, can, you can sense when you get into different places 
that the spiritual atmosphere is different. What that is, it's the prevailing spirit over that region. Here in Dallas, people live in it, and they've grown accustomed to it, and they don't realize it's there, but there is a religious witchcraft atmosphere. And we've got to be careful that we're not going to come into agreement with that. So what is that spirit trying to do? It's trying to lull you asleep. What's that spirit trying to do? It's trying to get you lukewarm. What's it trying to do? It's trying to get you to get out of prayer and stop being fruitful. But God's created us as Christians. I've said this, I think, in every sermon. He's not created us a hot house plant. He's not created us to be pampered and babied. You know, we're called to be champions and warriors. And he'll take you guys and myself, he'll take us, and he'll go into a desert somewhere where the gospel needs to come, where people need to be saved. He knows that that area needs the power of God, but yet it's a desert. So he'll take this plant. He'll go out there and he'll drive his shovel, pull back some dirt and plant you there right in the middle of the desert. And he'll look at you and say, bear fruit. You hear what I'm saying? And he expects us to bear fruit. That means we got to start praying and going after God. Like Elijah. Elijah kept interceding, kept interceding until the brass heavens, it began to rain. And God has got to sometimes take people and put them in horrible places. But he wants you to press into him because he has the power to bring change to that region. But we've got to be careful to not come into agreement with religious witchcraft. And here's just certain areas that people can. Mentally and emotionally, people can accidentally begin to think and feel and come into agreement with things that they're living in. We don't need to do that. Number one, I'm just going to give you a list of things to watch out for, is don't become judgmental and critical. That doesn't mean you agree with everything. Is I don't agree with everything out there. But you don't have to be judgmental, critical, and have a wrong spirit about you either. That's not right. If you don't agree with something, pray for him. God uses prayer. God does not use judgment and criticism. The devil uses that. Number two, be careful about a tendency to gossip. That has probably destroyed more churches than anything else. How many people have been in church for a long time? Okay, would you agree with me that probably gossip has done more damage in churches than probably just about any other thing? Would you agree with that? At least in the top two or three problems. Gossip is where people are now, and I'm including slander and other things in it, but people's mouths are under the influence of the devil. And now they're going to be talking against leadership. They're going to be spreading negative things about other Christians and pitting people against each other. That is demonic. It is the influence. Those people are under the influence of demonic spirits. I don't think I can say any more plain than that or blunt. It's demonic. And the Bible says in James that people's tongue can get lit by the fires of hell. I don't want my tongue lit by the fires of hell. I want God's Holy Ghost to be coming out of my mouth, not some demonic influence. All right, number three, being fearful and controlling. Y'all better hear this one. 
control. I've dealt with witchcraft enough that people I think are familiar with the subject. Control is a powerful force. It's not just something that is a nuisance or an annoying thing. Because when people are controlling, it is annoying, and you tend to want to get away from that. It's, but it's not just annoying. Control has a presence about it. And control is literally some kind of a spiritual power that tries to wrap people up. And you've got to break all control off of you. Y'all don't understand what I'm saying and how serious this can be because remember I mentioned Derek Prince said that the greatest hindrance to people's destiny in God is witchcraft. He's talking about control. Control, I want you to picture there's a swimmer and they're moving really well in the water. They're making a lot of forward progression. But somehow, there's some kind of a seaweed or something that they run into that begins to wrap around their arms and legs. They find themselves now grinding to a halt until they break that off and free themselves from it. That's control. A lot of people that have fear issues tend to be controlling. And the sad thing is, is that I've known a lot of people down through the years, but people that have had controlling parents, a controlling mom, very seldom do they really have a really great relationship with them. Am I telling the truth? Because control is a demonic presence of power, and people want to get away from it. They don't want to be controlled. But if you submit to control, don't be surprised if you want to move forward and get married you want to move forward and get a better job you want to move forward into your destiny you want to move forward into different things that you feel god called you to do and it feels like something is wrapped around you and you cannot go forward that's control it's a demonic power that you can't see with the natural eye but it wraps people up and they cannot move forward till they break it you're going to have to break all that control off you and don't let people control you. A lot of times people are way too nice. And people have a tendency to, to go along, to get along, make compromises, make concessions that really they know, or concessions that they really deep down know that they shouldn't make. But they're coming into agreement with control just to make people happy or get along with people, you can't do that. You're going to have to break control and live free from that witchcraft control. And so anyway, I can pray for people, but I'm telling you that control has a power over somebody until they break it. Also, being hyper-spiritual and having counterfeit revelation. I've run into this. These are people that, that are getting revelation, but it's not from the Lord. It's from another source. It's usually fear-based or something else, and it just gets really weird. And you can't come into agreement with that. That's a python spirit. Also, outbursts to anger and harboring grudges. We've got to be careful with these type of things because people will get a religious spirit about them, and they'll get really angry. 
one of the manifestations of a religious spirit is that some people will have an outburst of anger whenever there's something they don't agree with have you ever seen people on the internet that just will blow up for no reason you're thinking man that guy's a short fuse but they'll just blow up about something that they don't like a ministry they don't like a ministry they don't like you know what that is that's a religious spirit manifesting it's an anger it's an ungodly anger and harboring grudges we got to be careful that we walk in forgiveness don't let anybody get you bitter it doesn't matter what they do let's make sure that we forgive everybody every day that there's nothing that gets in our spirit also believing lies or blaming oneself you know there's things that's happened to people when they were growing up that was traumatic things that happened that really stayed with them and many times people will believe lies or they will come into agreement in their mind with blaming themselves for something you got to be careful with that because the devil will try to plant all kinds of lies in people that things that happened when they were a kid or something that they felt responsible for and it really if you really think about it there's no way that they were responsible and there's no way it was their fault and there's there's no way that these lies even make sense but yet at that vulnerable time when they were going through something they believe that lie and it's like a lot of times people will blame themselves for things even have a self-hatred you need to renounce that and let the Lord heal you from those things also lustful be careful about anything lustful that you don't let that get in your spirit I mean there's a lot of perversions in this time we're living I mean there's just it's everywhere but don't let <clears throat> things get into your mind and entertain it and let it get into your spirit don't let lust overtake you be on your guard against it and, and keep that out also being manipulative or seductive some people have a tendency to manipulate or allow themselves to be manipulated or getting too caught up with money and materialism that can be a distraction it what does the Bible say if you'll seek first the kingdom the Lord will add what needs to be added and so don't chase after things chase after Jesus and let him take care of the things also a tendency to make idols some people they they look at and this is really a danger even in revival I'm just gonna tell you they look at certain ministries and ministers and things and they're just kind of ooh and awe too much about that you hear what I'm saying people make idols out of ministers and ministries and worship and different things and they they ooh and all way too much let's make Jesus the center let's keep our focus on him see revival even even revival can be an idol people get so caught up with that and just be careful with that also um, emotionally needy people be careful with this people that are emotionally needy a lot of times anybody that gives them attention they'll just kind of fall all over themselves for that person be careful with that that you don't get wrapped up with other things because of being emotionally needy 
these are areas that I just wanted to mention in passing to help guard yourself that you're not going to come under the influence of this religious witchcraft. So how many of you guys have done some witnessing around here? How many of you guys can say that you've ran into multiple times? Not once or twice, but like, you know, dozens and dozens. How many can say that you've ran into a lot where you hear people say, Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. But yet, they're living in all kinds of immorality and sin. I mean, just, how many have run into that? That's religious witchcraft that's taken over that person's life. They think that they can live however they're, you know, however they want to live and still go to heaven when they die. What in the world? But see, people come under the influence of these spirits in their mind and they get deceived. And they, I think that they lose a fear of God and they don't realize that, that that's not how it works. And we need a revival because I'll get to this in a moment. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's look at this. People getting lukewarm and content will live without the glory. Let me read Luke 14, 16. It's in your notes. But Jesus said to them, and he's given a parable here. A man was giving a dinner and invited many. Now, I know this is talking about Israel, but parables can also have some meaning outside of that. You know, I believe that when we come together like tonight that Jesus has prepared something for us he's prepared a word for us it's like fresh bread he's prepared the living waters of his spirit to drink from he's prepared something for us watch this so a man was giving a big dinner and invited many and at the dinner hour, he sent out his slave to say to those who had been invited, come for everything's ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first one said, I bought a piece of land. I've got to go look out for that land. Please consider me excused. Another one said, I bought five yoke of oxen and I'm going to try them out. These are kind of dumb excuses because we're talking about a feast here, not a lifelong commitment of staying at the guy's house for the next 10 years of your life. Okay, I mean, but these people are making lame excuses to not come. Another one said, I'm married and for this reason I cannot come. And a slave came back and reported this to his master. And the head of the household became angry and said to his slave, go out at once into the streets, into the lanes, and command um, what you've, I'm sorry, of the city, and bring in here the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the slave said, Master, what you commanded has been done. There's still room. And the master said to his slave, then go out into the highways and the hedges, the byways, and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those who were invited will taste my dinner. I don't want to have some lame excuse as to why God was drawing me to him and I wasn't going to be there and God had to bring other people in in my place. 
one of the things I've seen since the great revivals of the 90s that concern me and I've been, I've been watching this probably since about 2005 and I've seen that many people their godly convictions have begun to wane and there's things in the way of entertainment now that is more important to them than the glory of God being in their home I say this in love, but you know why people don't have things with God sometimes? Because they don't care enough about it. That's just the truth. If they would really go after God about it, they'll get the answer. But they, they, they're just kind of like they want it, but it's okay without it, you know. People that used to really pray and press into God, but now they don't. And so, you know, things like we talk about here in River of Life, the morning and evening sacrifice, you know, to, I really believe it's important to start your day with prayer. I believe it's important to end your day with prayer. Um, I believe that it's very biblical. Um, but people are, are people hungry enough to get up early or stay up a little bit late or whatever to, to get that with God, to have that time? Here's the thing that this may be convicting and this may be um, a little bit of Steve Hill coming through me, okay? But people find time for their stupid little TV show. They find time for their, their games, their movies, their football, you know, football program, whatever. But they neglect the Lord. And bottom line is, you and I are going to have to stand before the Lord one day. And we're going to see that man face to face. And I don't want him asking me, why was everything so much more important to you? than spending time with me or doing things that I asked you to do. I don't want to hear that. But I got a feeling there's going to be a lot of people that do. Have we lost our urgency and our burden? I was just reading this last week about Lot. Do you remember how Lot was with Abraham and, and Abraham, his... God began to really bless both of them. So their flocks and herds began to really grow. And pretty soon, Lot's herdsmen and Abraham's herdsmen started fighting with each other. It was just, it was just they grew too big. They were, they were outgrowing the pasture land. And so Abraham comes to Lot and says, I don't want there to be bad feelings between us. I don't want us to be fighting with each other. So why don't we part ways and if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. In other words, you pick which pasture land you want, and I'll honor your decision. And so Lot looks up, and he sees that out by Sodom and Gomorrah area was really lush and prosperous. And so, of course, he picked the better land. But let me tell you something. You better be careful about making decisions just based on money alone. You better hear from God. Because you can sometimes take your family into Sodom, but you may not ever get them back out again. So anyway, Lot took his family, pitched a tent, and next thing you know, he's in Sodom. But once he got in this environment, in this atmosphere there, now see, you and I think, when we think of Sodom, we think about gay people, think about homosexuals. And that's true, that was rampant. 
But if you read the Bible, which I don't have the scripture in front of me, I'm, I apologize, but you can easily look this up. I believe it's in Ezekiel. It gave the sins of Sodom. And it mentioned that there was abundance of bread and idleness of time. And they basically didn't care for the poor. But they had all this prosperity. They had beautiful land. And they had abundance of time. And I've read some other writings, some other Jewish writings about what Sodom and Gomorrah was like. And the picture that was painted was this. Yes, it was a sexually perverted area. No doubt. But that these people were so selfish that there was say, a saying there, what's yours is yours and what's mine is mine. There was like sayings like that. And they were notorious for if somebody was traveling from a far, uh, you know, a far distance and coming through the land and they had all their belongings with them, that the people of Sodom would jump them, beat them, and take all their belongings and then run them out of the city. That's not people they were. And this is from, you know, Jewish writings about them. So that makes sense when you read about in the Bible, the, the angels came and Lot is like, whatever you do, don't sleep in this city area out here in the open. Come to my house, okay? Don't sleep out here on a park bench, all right? Because <laughs> it was not safe. But the people of Sodom were wicked people and lot lived in that atmosphere in that environment hear what i'm about to say i was shocked when i was reading about this that the angels once those people try to rush his house have sex with those angels as they heard about you know they came the angels came in at the city gate and pretty soon those that were at the gate were talking about yeah there's these these new people in town and they, the men, they wanted to come there and rape these angels. And they were attacking Lot's house. And they were going to break down the door. This is how wicked these people are. And the angel sticks his hand out like this and waves it. And they all get blind and confused. And they can't find the door. And the angel looks at Lot and says, get out of here now. I'm about to destroy this place. And Lot and his family were in such a stupor. They're dragging their feet. They're making excuses. They do not get the urgency that if they don't leave, they're going to die today. It never got through to them, at, well, at least at first. It took a long time for that angel to finally get through to them the urgency of the hour. And I think... That people living here in America, there's a lot of prosperity. I think that people don't mean to, but they get caught up with their own lives and become a little bit selfish. And it's a lot like Sodom in a lot of ways. And people live their own lives, do their own thing, and they come under some kind of a stupor where they don't really realize the urgency of the hour that we're living in right now. They don't understand how close the Lord's coming is. The urgency that the Lord has for these people to be saved that are out there that are lost. They've lost that. They're in some kind of a stupor like Laodicean church. I'm fine. Everything's fine. All is well. But it's going to take a group of people 
that will be persistent in their prayer and fasting and going after God with all their heart, willing to consecrate their life and really press into him to see revival. Because I'm telling you, that's really going to be the only thing that brings a real change. Is, listen, human effort is just simply not going to get the job done, especially in the hour that we're living. How many agree with that? That we can give it our best. We can put on the best show. We can have the best worship band. We can have the biggest arena. We can give it our best. And in a few weeks, things are going to look pretty similar to what it did before the thing happened. We need the Lord to rend the heavens and come down in power and change people's hearts. That's going to be the only thing that is really going to change anything. So how do you and I keep the fire burning in us? Number one is we're going to have to make up our minds that we're going to have a prayer life and we're going to ask the Lord to keep us hungry. I don't think that any of us really have the ability to just do this out of willpower. Yeah, I'm just going to make a decision now. I'm just going to be hungry the rest of my life. I don't think it's going to work like that. We're going to have to discipline ourselves to spend time with the Lord and let the Lord stoke the fire in us every day and put some, put some fresh wood on that fire and let that thing burn bright again. But it's going to be from spending time with the Lord. I remember on the road to Emmaus when the men, when Jesus left, you remember what they said? When they spent time with Jesus and they sat with him at the table and Jesus disappeared, they said, didn't our hearts burn within us? when he talked to us you want to keep a burning heart spend time with Jesus you want to get lukewarm don't spend time with Jesus but if we'll draw if we'll make a disciplined effort to spend some time with the Lord and learn how to pray what will happen is is the old ashes of yesterday's altar will get dumped There'll be some fresh wood put, and that fire gets stoked every day. Some days are easier than others, but overall, you'll live a life of burning bright. Number two, you're going to have to keep the Lord the priority of your life. You know, Jesus has got to be the center. He's got to be the focus. I'm convinced that, especially in America, at least where I live, I'm convinced that the majority of people that church is a social event and that the Lord is not the center of their life. He is on a shelf. They want to be able to say that, the Lord, that they're a Christian and they go to church and some of them may truly be saved and on their way to heaven but the Lord is not really the centerpiece that their whole life revolves around him. Their life revolves around themselves. He's just there on the shelf when they're in trouble. They need something. Church is really just a social thing. But he's not really the centerpiece. I've seen a lot of that. And I think that that has to do with this religious witchcraft. People are in a stupor. I'm fine. All is well. All is good. On and on we go. But yet, everything is not okay. 
also i would say let the lord help us to examine our fruit you know what did paul say to the corinthians he said you examine yourself and make sure that you're in the faith if you pass the test he was saying you examine yourself so i think that it would be wisdom that we start doing some self fruit examination Am I closer to the Lord today than I have been in the past? Or was there a time in my past I was closer to the Lord? And Steve Hill used to ask that question at Brownsville and say, Look, man, if there was a time in your life you were on fire for God and, and you were close to him than you are now, you're backslidden. You need to get back on fire again. Do some fruit examination. Am I really being the witness I need to be? And I, am I really walking with the Lord the way I need to? Can people see my life and their salt and light there? You know, we're called to be a light to those around us, but also your, our prayers are salt. Just like, I'm going to tell you, just like that powerful prayer meeting we had this last Tuesday, trust me, that is salt. That is affecting this region more than I could even begin to tell you. Prayer is the salt. If people will begin to pray in this nation, like never before not only will we see change like we have in the government I believe that's happened because people pray but we're about to see a great revival I believe that so here's the last thing I want to say and I'm going to close with this when revival comes see there's some some people that keep saying things like this well you know, America needs to repent I agree with that how many agree with that but here's the thing don't expect anybody to repent until God the Holy Spirit convicts them. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't even make sense. They will say, well, these people all need to repent. Well, yes, they do. But it is the responsibility of the church to pray down the Spirit of God to begin to move on them with conviction where they realize and they're, they're, they're gripped with the fear of God, they're convicted. You cannot expect just walking down the road and tell somebody, hey, you need to repent that they're just going to do it but if the spirit of god jumps off you and gets on them and they're convicted by the holy spirit then that will help lead them to repentance does that make sense so it kind of gets on my skin a little bit because people are saying well american needs to repent yeah they do but we need a revival and then repentance will come because of the spirit of god and this is all through church history you know there was a, a story i've read some of these but in ulster in ireland there was a couple men that began to be burdened with the condition and i'm going to tell you in the majority of revivals you do a history yourself in the overwhelming majority of major revivals that made history like 99 percent of them maybe 97 but the overwhelming majority were a very small group of people that began to go after god it was almost never a large group of people ever it was always a small group Anyway, in Ulster, a couple guys got together and they began to be really burdened. And they said, we're going to do Bible studies and pray for our, our city. And they began to meet in this old building that was abandoned. It was really cold in the winter, man. And uh, they, would, they would pray. They would go off to God. They got a breakthrough. They got a breakthrough. The Spirit of God came down in that region. It was so powerful. that They said that there was, there was grown men that came into the city farmers i'm talking about big burly farmers okay manly men coming in 
And the Spirit of God was so strong that there was reports of some of them that their whole bodies were heaving because they were weeping in the presence of God and repenting because they came into the presence of God. These are manly men that were just broken by the presence of God. There was a story where this young man had gotten saved because of what the Holy Spirit was doing. And he was in his classroom and another young man began, the Holy Spirit began to move on him. The teacher recognized what was going on. We need Christian teachers like that. They went out in the hallway. Anyway, make a long story short, the Holy Spirit began to fall on the whole class. It's a historic record fact, that whole class. Then it went from the boys' school, jumped over and hit the girls' school. People were walking by the school and hearing the weeping and the wailing of people getting right with God. They were getting hit by the power of God, collapsing on the sidewalks and weeping in the presence of God. There was such a powerful move of the Holy Spirit that they had to just start calling preachers from any denomination. They said, we need people to come now to, to get in here and pray with these people. We don't know what to do. To them, to the school, they, it just seemed like God just showed up and we don't know what to do now. So go get preachers to, that know what to do. And so they had all these preachers coming in and, and the preachers were saying, this is the easiest leading people to the Lord I've ever done in my life. They got a breakthrough in prayer. When revival comes, when the glory comes, weird teachings like don't pray for revival, that's going to be out the window. But God will unify people. People keep saying, well, we need to unify. And that is so true. Psalm 133, go on and on. Jesus prayed in John 17 that we be unified, be one. It's of the utmost importance that we do. But I honestly don't expect it until the glory comes. But when the glory of God comes, unity will come. In Azusa Street Revival, William Seymour and these guys, they wrote this um, Pentecostal evangel. I'm trying to remember. Apostolic faith. They, they would send it out. But they, they would write different things about the revival. But it was common because of the power and the presence of God being so strong in Azusa that you would see, and this was the days in 1906, segregation, Jim Crow laws, okay? You would see a black man and a white man side by side weeping in the presence of God. You would see a businessman in a suit next to a homeless man weeping in the presence of God. That all of a sudden, because of the presence of God, there wasn't any type of divisions in that. You know, I love the example that I heard given that beekeepers a lot of times let's say that you have these different hives and the hive has a scent of the queen bee and so they know their queen they know the hive and they're not going to intermix with other bees but let's say that a queen bee died and so you had to bring two hives together now they have two different scents and they're not just going to come together on their own so beekeepers have learned that you're going to have to do something like this. They can take something like a baby powder, talcum powder, something like that. And they can begin to sprinkle it up in the air. And it'll settle down on both those hives so they smell the same. And all of a sudden, they'll come together under that queen. 
and they'll merge that high. When the glory comes, all these divisions will melt in the presence of God. It just will. I've seen it. I saw it at Brownsville. I saw people that were from all kinds of denominational backgrounds, every type of ethnicity you can imagine, and they were all just weeping in the presence of God. There wasn't, at Brownsville, you, there wasn't any type of a, oh, you're this or you're that. or It was just everybody was just going after Jesus. You see what I'm saying? And people are, are, we're all crying out. It's like there's so many lost people and we see so many people that are getting really depraved and getting into deep sexual immorality and all this horrible stuff. Yeah, that's there. And that's end time prophecy being fulfilled, by the way. But nonetheless, when the Spirit of God shows up, people will be convicted and brought to Jesus that you would have never thought in a million years would get saved. I saw hardcore people uh, you know, I'm just talking about Brownsville because I lived through this revival and saw it, so I've got a lot of stories. But I saw hardcore people that you would have never thought they'd get saved in a million years. If you went out and witnessed to them, they would have shut you down flat. They didn't want to hear it. But when they got in the presence of God, God melted their heart and convicted them, and they were up in that baptismal pool weeping and saying how they gave their life to Jesus, and they'll never turn back, and got baptized and on fire for God. So... It's, it's, we need God to come down and move is what I'm trying to say. There's things that are not going to change until God comes down and moves. That's just really the way it is. And people are saying, well, you know, we need to uh, just be the revival. And I get that. Man, I want to walk in the glory. I want to walk in the anointing. And just like my daughter was talking about, you know, casting a demon out of somebody and praying, people praying for the sick on the streets and getting healed, that should be normal Christianity. But that, that's not citywide heavens rend god come down sovereign move that's just us being christians us being normal christians hopefully that makes sense but anyway yes i want to be on fire and i want to be flowing in the gifts and god to use me and i know you do too but let's pray here in a moment but let me say one more thing do some self-examination through these sermons and make sure that god deal with the things that need to be dealt with I don't want the Lord to pass me by. I don't want the Lord to pass you by. I don't want him to have to go to somebody else and say, well, you know, I wanted to use Scott, but, you know, he wouldn't let me do this in his life, so I'm having to go over here and use this person. I don't want God to say that about me, and I know that you don't want God to say that about you. So let's just say, Jesus, whatever you got to do, do it in me. So, Lord, we thank you for this sermon series. I pray, Lord, that it would really penetrate and get in us. And I believe tonight in the altar time, I sense like a, a power of the Holy Spirit, like a, just a fresh baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire to, to burn bright and be a witness. But, Lord, I pray that, that you would really brand your word into us. It would be burned into us. It would be like the finger of God when he wrote on the tablets for Moses the Bible says God will write his word in our hearts. Lord, I pray that you'll really burn this into us. This is your word. Get it in us. Help us to not just shake off the conviction and go back to everything as usual. Lord, let it be burned into us. Let it be a part of who we are now. Let us burn bright for you. And Lord, I pray tonight that you would empower your people like never before. 
Let there be a fresh baptism in the Holy Ghost and fire in Jesus' mighty name. Let it come.